Suns of Saturday, Virginia Tech Hoops Pod. Ed, Virginia Tech continued their slide, but then went ahead and just beat Duke because Mike Young owns Duke, apparently. So Virginia Tech's now in this spot where the Hokies, of course, have an uphill battle uh, to make in the NCAA tournament, much like they did a year ago back in 2022. Ed, how are we feeling about the state of things now? Hunter Couture back in the lineup. The offense has looked a little bit better. The Clemson game notwithstanding, we'll get into that here in a minute. Um, but how are we feeling about things, I guess, to start things off? Yeah, it's uh, we looked really good against UVA in a loss played terrible against Clemson in a game that they also played terrible Mm -hmm. and we lost. And then we played a really, really good game against Duke in a game that I felt like was the best we'd looked since maybe Oklahoma state up in New York, probably. Yeah. Um, We looked really good in that game, but it it was the first win since before Christmas. So it was quite the, quite the skid for Virginia tech. Um, You know, we don't need to talk about that too much more because we've beaten out to death at this point, but um, the skid was long and treacherous, and we've somehow, of course, all it took was playing Duke at home to break it. Um, and you mentioned, you know, Mike Young and his success against Duke, but th- at this point, this predates Mike Young even. Um, I believe I heard Pat and Billy talk last night on their postgame ad hoc podcast they did that the Hokies are 5-1 and one in their last six against Duke in Castle. So Castle is not a place that the Duke Blue Devils enjoy coming to right now. Uh, whether it's Coach K or John Shire, Virginia Tech finds a way to knock off Duke at home. So I thought overall it was a really good game. Uh, the offense looked kind of like it did against Virginia, except Virginia is just a better team than Duke was. So it wasn't enough against uh, the Cavaliers in JPJ. But I thought the offense looked really good. Um, and, and we can continue to break some of that some of that down here in a second. But I guess first we should somewhat – you know, I kind of want to somewhat gloss over it because I don't want to talk about it too much. But the loss to Clemson – um, I, there, I don't have a whole lot here other than both teams played awful and one team hit yeah. a shot late at home. And that was the difference really in my mind. I mean, Virginia Tech shot 34% from the floor, 27% from three. Sean Padula was, was really bad in the Clemson game. Uh, two of 13 from the floor. Darius Maddox played 20 minutes and did not score a point. Oh, of six from the floor. Um, both teams are flat out terrible and, you know, Clemson was able to hit a shot when it mattered most. And that was kind of the difference in my mind, but uh, all in all, that was an ugly basketball game on Saturday in Clemson. Yeah, that was tough. I mean, my, my biggest takeaway coming out of that game was that the guard play was still really, really bad and kind of to the detriment of Virginia tech. I think the biggest, you know, the biggest black pole right in in Virginia Tech's roster when Hunter Couture was not in the lineup and even when he was back in the lineup here for the first couple games was guard play right and you know we talked about the UVA game Tech's offense actually played quite well in in Couture's return Um, but then you see what happens against Clemson right and you see kind of when Hunter can't get it going you got to kind of turn to somebody else and you're hoping that Maddox can give you something and he couldn't you're hoping that Padula can give you something and he couldn't and I came out of that game, and I, and I actually tweeted this, maybe a little, maybe a little hard on Sean Padula, but I tweeted this. I said, you know, Sean Padula is going to be a really good guard in, you know, for Virginia Tech. It's just not going to be this year, right? That was my, that was kind of my take I had. And really, it was not just the Clemson game, right? It, it was kind of like a culmination of several games, right? Where Couture's out of the lineup, Padula's got to shoot the ball more than he would probably like to, right? And that leads to some inefficiencies. He just wasn't shooting the ball great anyway. 
and now he's got to take on more of the offensive load, which I, I think if you're looking for somebody to shoulder the load, it, it's got to be Sean Padula, right, with Couture out of the lineup. He's got to be one of those guys, and he just wasn't making enough shots, right? And Couture comes back, he's in the lineup. You know, things are looking a bit more open offensively in terms of floor spacing, which you think would help Padula. Um, he just didn't shoot the ball great, you know, against Clemson, but nobody did, right? And you talk about Maddox not making a shot, and – then you kind of lead into the Duke game and Maddox doesn't really play. And, you know, I, I had folks kind of, I was talking to some people on Twitter after the Clemson game and they were like, why would you have MJ Collins in the game over Darius Maddox late? Right. Some people had an issue with that. And my takeaway, and we've talked about this Ed, kind of separately, I'm not sure how much we brought it up on this podcast yet, but my takeaway was that MJ Collins has been outplaying Darius Maddox now for about six weeks. Right. And, you know, it's time to have that uncomfortable conversation where Maddox was supposed to be a really, really important part of this team this year, right? And he simply can't make a jump shot. And he's a mediocre defender at best to begin with, Ed. So if he's not making shots and he's not really defending, Mike Young doesn't have a choice, right? He's got to play the guy who's producing. And I think what we saw, at least against Duke, and we'll see if this ends up, you know, carrying forward, is that MJ Collins kind of gave him a spark in that game last night, obviously hitting the game-winning shot there late against Duke. He gave him a spark off the bench. He defended at a high level um, offensively uh, with a floor. He had six points and five rebounds. He was kind of all over the floor offensively. He just played good basketball last night, right? And he, he was fluid. It was the most comfortable, I think, that he's looked in a Virginia Tech uniform so far. Big knock on him has been, okay, they're, you know he's a little raw, you know, coming out of, out of high school, but he defends, and he's athletic, and he's going to play some. But that's the most comfortable he's looked on the offensive side of the basketball, right? And I think that was pretty telling that in a game of that magnitude last night, Mike Young said, I'm putting the freshman in. I'm going to play him big minutes. So kind of circle back to the original point. The backcourt really struggled against Clemson. Nobody could really make a shot. To your point, Clemson made one more at the end, and that was a really, really difficult loss because the Hokies had Clemson on the ropes there on the road um, to, to be able to go down there and have – the best team in the ACC right now, just kind of, you know, really struggling to find a basket. Thought Tech defended pretty well in that game. Clemson missed some open shots too, but Tech defended at a high level. To lose that game was pretty tough, right? And that made Duke a must win last night. And it, it's big time that the Hokies were able to pull that off. Yeah. So I'm going to go down three things to talk about what you just talked about. And the first one's going to be the last shot against Clemson, and then we'll close the book on the Clemson game. So, yep. There was a lot of people who were really upset about the play design, um, what have you, with the last shot attempt when the Hokies mm -hmm. were down by one uh, at the end of the game there. And basically it was a pin down screen. Couture came off the screen, caught the ball, turned, had a pretty good look at it, missed, game over, Virginia Tech loses. Um, yeah, you're down one. So you're right. You Obviously math, right? We don't need three. Um Please tell me who else you would like taking the game-winning shot because Thank my you. answer every single time is going to be Hunter Couture. Thank um, you. He's the best shooter in the team. He's one of the best shooters in program history. He's one of the best shooters in the ACC. Um, him off of a practice shot, which that is a practice shot. For good shooters, they practice coming off that little curl, catching the ball, turning, squaring up to the rim, and knocking it down. It was a good look at it. It was a good play design. Um, it unfortunately did not fall, and it kind of reminded me of some times last year where Virginia Tech just couldn't get good looks to fall during their crazy losing streak last year. So um, I'm not upset about that play call, that play design. 
Um, I mean, obviously the result is less than to be desired, but that's a really good look from a really good player. And we'll take that shot 10 times out of 10 if you're Mike Young, I would say. Yes. Um, so book closed on Clemson. Let's turn the page towards the Duke game slash looking forward. So um, one thing you talked about a second ago was Sean Padula and kind of his usage rate, the shots he's had to take, um, the volume. And you talked about how Hunter Couture, when he was out, a lot goes to Sean Padula, right? Um, a comparison that I have would be uh, Naheem Aline last year, early in the season, when the majority of the offensive load and production from the guard spot was insanely reliant on Murphy, Aline, and Couture. With Couture out this year and Maddox not playing very well, the guard production was solely reliant on Sean Padula during that stretch. And I think you saw him find find himself in positions where he was not playing within himself. Uh, and I think Clemson was definitely one of those spots. Um, there were there have been others during the losing streak where things got a little out of hand for Sean, where he was trying to do too much. Um, and I think the coaching staff would probably agree with that sentiment. But then you look ahead, right? You get Hunter Couture back. Sean Padula can go back to playing within himself, being the floor general, playing the point guard position as well as he did during non-conference. And last night against Duke, he has 16 points on 50% shooting with a five assist to two turnover ratio. Yeah. So that was a much more Sean Padula game we saw against Duke. He had 16 points on uh, only eight shots, I believe. And he had 13 shots in Clemson and did not play anywhere near as well. So um, it's not about volume, especially when you're a point guard. You don't want point guards to be volume shooters in general. I mean, Sean Padula um, has the ability to score from all three levels. So you're okay with him taking a lot of shots. But uh, Mike Young mentioned it in the post game. He could only recall one bad shot Sean took against Duke, whereas I think if you did a shot chart for Clemson, there was definitely more than one bad shot, and it was a result of probably trying to play a little bit too much outside of his game. So uh, if you remember at times during the losing streak last year, Naheem Aline had to take really tough shots, and fans were on him because he wasn't making them. Well, they were really tough shots, and I think Sean Padula experienced a little bit of that during the losing streak, with ho which hopefully is past us now that we have Couture back. And we have MJ Collins playing really good basketball. So the MJ Collins, Darius Maddox uh, situation, I'm not even sure if that's really a fair way to put it. I'm not really sure it's, um, you know, those two are just vying for each other's position. I think there's some overlap with Couture and there's some overlap with Padula, um, particularly for Maddox and Padula, because I think they've, they've tried to use Maddox as the point guard a little bit more in recent weeks, which has been interesting. And I think Collins can give Couture a breath, although Couture didn't have a breath against Duke. But in general, those are the minutes that everyone is comparing Maddox and Collins. Um, Collins has not shot the ball particularly well through the totality of his freshman campaign so far. But in the last three games, he has shot the ball much better. Um, Mike Young talked about MJ Collins specifically in the postgame press conference after the Duke win. And he said, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but something along the lines of, you know, MJ Collins has graduated from playing like an underclassman playing like a freshman. He's playing like he's been here before, kind of something along those lines was the comment. Um, and I completely agree. I think MJ Collins from the outset of the season played really good defense and rebounded the ball at a high level, higher than you'd expect from a three-star freshman uh, in his first college season. Uh, but now he's finding the offensive game. So he's shooting the ball better. He's becoming somewhat of a threat from three-point land. He's, he's, he's hit a few. He, I think he had two at UVA, he had two against Duke. I can't remember how many he had at Clemson. Um, and then he obviously hit that shot at the end of the game there to give us the lead. 
knock down the free throw to extend the lead. Um, and a point that Mike Young talked about in the post game that I noticed when I rewatched the game is that MJ Collins is guarding Mark Mitchell for a lot of that game. Mark Mitchell is six eight and was the number twenty player in the class. MJ Collins is six four and was the hun- number one hundred and eighty six player in the class. Strap up. And, and the way Mike Young put it in the presser is good luck. And MJ Collins did a really good job against a freakishly talented player in Mark Mitchell. So all around, MJ Collins has continued to come on. And my point on the Collins Maddox debate all year has kind of been, you know, the only thing that Maddox was doing better than Collins up until now, and I don't know that that's the case anymore, was shooting the basketball. And if Collins ever figured out how to shoot the basketball, those minutes were going to become very distorted in one way versus the other because MJ Collins does everything else better, at least in my eyes. Um, Clearly, the staff perceives it that way as well, at least for the Duke game. Maybe not long-term. We'll see how things shake out with those twos and minutes distribution. But for the Duke game, Maddox played six minutes, took zero shots. MJ Collins played 22 minutes and finished two of four from the floor and one of two from three with obviously that free throw at the end as well. So um, we'll see how that minutes distribution looks moving forward. But I would anticipate seeing a lot more MJ Collins the rest of this year and moving forward if you're a Virginia Tech fan. Yeah, I agree. Um, You know, and one of the things kind of – coming out of the Clemson game that I was kind of looking for is how is Virginia Tech going to, you know, adjust in terms of their lineup with Maddox struggling and Collins kind of continuing to come on, you know, what was the rotation going to look like? Because I think a big reason why Tech struggled, it really was the role loss, right? Because, you know, you lose Couture and now you have Basili who's new, you have Padula and Maddox in new starting roles, and now you have Hunter Couture out of the lineup, right? So, Really, it was only Justin Mutz who was kind of in that ACC starting role before, you know, and he was the only one in the lineup I felt like that had that kind of experience. It was kind of like the calming presence, but even Mutz wasn't playing really that well. So it's it was kind of this kind of conundrum going into Duke was like, what's the rotation going to look like? This is, you know, Couture's third game back. Now his feet are kind of starting to get back under him. How's this going to look? And to my surprise... Young goes away from Darius Maddox almost completely, right? And that that was surprising to me. Um, not because I, I didn't think that Collins could do it. I thought he could. I, th- I thought he should be playing. But I wasn't sure that Mike Young was going to kind of pull that trigger and play Collins as much as he did. So that was surprising to me. But, you know, he stepped up and in a, in a big spot, played extremely well. Couture shot the ball well last night, obviously hit five threes. Padula – I tweeted this during the game, you know, as hard as I've been on Padula, he was balling last night, man. Like he was yeah. playing really well. Now I will say defensively a couple of weak yeah. closeouts, especially late, right. On that, on that tying three, that was a well, killer. Yeah. Um, late I, on the. I, I want to talk about that a little bit. Cause you, you described it as a closeout. I don't even know if it was a closeout. <laughs> I think I, I noticed this too. When I watched the condensed game this morning, there's a little bit of ball watching going on mm-hmm. that I think is putting him in bad positions. It happened in the first half on a Tyrese Proctor three. Mm-hmm. It happened again late in the game on the one that tied the game. And then it almost happened again on the one that Proctor fortunately missed if, if you're a Virginia Tech fan. But it was almost the same play. A pass yeah. and Proctor just back cuts right behind Padula. Padula's ball watching. Proctor gets a good look at it and fortunately missed. But uh, a little bit of ball watching, I would say. The off-ball defense is 
making Sean's life harder when he is on ball because he's always recovering, it seems like. So I'm sure that's something he will get uh, get straightened up. But, yes, I did notice that as well. It was it was definitely uh, lackadaisical when he was off ball. Late late rotation, weak closeout. Again, not even really a, not even really a closeout. He didn't really get his hand up until after the shot was up. Yeah, it was not good. Um, and he knew too. Like you could tell by his body language, he knew like right the Tyrese Proctor one that was a tie to tie the game up. Padula yeah. knew it was on him. Like I mean, he immediately was like, "Oh, like yeah, yeah." He knew that was bad, and yeah, hopefully he will. That'll be a point of emphasis moving forward. But yeah, his uh, off-ball defense made his life on-ball much more difficult. Um, you talked about Couture, fifteen points, only shot threes, did not take a two-point field goal all game. Um, on brand. And then I want to talk about Basili a little bit. Um, what a game. I mean, yeah. an absolute monstrous game from Grant Basili. And, you know, he had, he's had a few of those now in a row where outside of Clemson where Grant Basili's playing some really good basketball right now. He is. Um, I, he's finding his way. And he was very physical. Uh, that was the most physical I've seen him um, outside of maybe the Syracuse game up in the Carrier Dome. I thought he played really physical up there. Um, but he looked awesome yesterday. He finished with 20 four and eight on 10 of 15 from the floor. Uh, that's an extremely efficient game from Grant Basile. And a lot of it was down in and around the rim, which is what you'd love to see against a team that is just completely loaded with seven footers. So hats off to Grant Basile on an awesome game. Yeah. Um, and in a, in a game where a bunch of players played well for tech, Basile stood out. I mean, yeah, the 24 100%. points leading the way. I thought that was the most impressive he's looked all year. You talked about kind of the toughness, right? That's where we've been critical of him on this podcast this year is, you know, we've talked about how he just needs to be a little bit tougher underneath, right? It's You're playing in the ACC now. Things are a little bit different. Um, I, I felt collect, I felt like collectively, right, last night as a group, I just thought Virginia Tech came out with more of a swagger and kind of a more of a, like, we need this game real bad. And Tech played with a sense of desperation last night that I think has been missing, right? You saw some of it, I thought, for as poorly as Tech played against Clemson, I had that kind of similar feel late. It felt like Tech was, you know, they were going after every loose ball. You know, there was a sense of desperation in that Clemson game, so it was a real dagger when they didn't win, right? And you felt that again last night at home, right? It's a big Monday game. It's a blackout at Castle. Unbelievable crowd. Big time matchup. It's still Duke. I know Duke's a little down. It's still Duke, right? And they still got really good players for the top prospects in the country. Still really, they're still a really good team. You just felt like there was a sense of desperation out of this team last night. And you just hope that tech continues to play with that kind of intensity now moving forward. Because every game down the stretch here, we'll get into the resume here in a second. Every game down the stretch here throughout, you know, the rest of this month and into February much like last year, Ed, it's going to be extremely important. And, you know, folks are saying during the losing streak, they're, they're talking about, oh, no way Tech can make another run, right, this year. No way they can do it. My, my question is, like, why not, right? Why not? This ACC is wide open, Ed. UVA is really good. Clemson, Tech's been in two tight games with Clemson, right? <laughs> like, this is, not, this is not a Clemson team, in my opinion, that's, like, unbeatable, right? Um, yeah, there are there are winnable games in the ACC. Tech takes down Duke last night. A lot of winnable games. The conference is wide open. Tech's already beat Carolina, right? Like, th there are some games here down the stretch. That I think are going to be really important. A couple games against Miami. 
you got to you got to try to win one of those at least, right? But you know, it all starts Saturday, right? You're bringing Syracuse down to Castle. You lost a tough game up at, up at Syracuse. Um, you know, towards the towards the beginning of conference play. This is a game that you really really need, and it's at home, and you got to start stringing them together, Ed. Yeah, and um, yeah, Syracuse comes into town. I, I think. Uh, I think you'll see a Darius Maddox resurgence in terms of at least his minutes. Um, I think the MJ Collins Maddox situation will probably be largely situational. Um, Duke is a really big physical team with really good athletes, hence the injection of MJ Collins because he also can match that athleticism. But against the zone um, back in Castle, I think you'll see, um, I think you'll see Darius Maddox play, and I think he'll probably play well. I wouldn't be surprised if he knocks down a couple threes. But I agree. I mean, you find yourself in a position where you're basically playing NCAA tournament games from here on out, right? You got to win them all, um, if not most of them. So you look at the schedule, it's very doable. You know, I think we're through the, maybe the hardest stretch. Like if you had to take a five game stretch and break it down, this was probably the hardest one recently. Um, The Clemson game would have obviously been a huge, huge feather in the cap for this team and their resume moving forward. But um, there's plenty of those opportunities left. You mentioned Miami, you got UVA at home still. I mean, other than that, it's kind of just, a bunch of do-your-job games, you know, games you'll probably be favored in, take care of business. Uh, Virginia Tech sits at 12 wins right now with, I believe, 13 and 11 games to go. Um, I, I think you got to finish somewhere around 19 to 20 wins to be in that conversation, and it's a question of can Virginia Tech string off a 7-4 and four or an 8-3 and three run. Um, they've got the guys to do it. Uh, we, we've seen that now repeatedly. You know, all their losses are close losses, and fortunately the um, – the net and the Ken Palm favor the Hokies very well or view the Hokies very well. You know, Virginia Tech's 50th in the net and 46th in the Ken Palm as things currently sit today. So uh, it's it's still very much in the in the realm of the possible, but um, they have to com- obviously string together wins because the, the the analytics can love you as much as you know as much as they want. But if you don't have a bunch of W's next to your name, it doesn't really matter where you're ranked in the net and the Ken Palm. Um, so fortunately, those numbers are on our side, but now we got to start turning that record around and make it reflect those numbers as well. Yeah. I mean, tech and I'm pulling up courtesy of warrennolan.com, which I've, <laughs> I learned about about 15 minutes ago, tech had four quadrant one wins last year at, they were four and eight in Q1 after last night, tech is now two and four in quadrant one games. It, it looked like it was going to be um, a third quadrant one win last night. Duke fell in the net after that, after that, Hokies victory so that turned into a quadrant two win that's fine you want quadrant one and quadrant two wins right tech last year was six and three in quadrant two games uh they're sitting at three and three right now right so right now they have two less quadrant one wins and they have three less quadrant two wins but they got some opportunities here you know coming down the pipe right um Syracuse is going to be a really important game at Castle on Saturday Hokies absolutely have to have it you go on the road to Miami after that um in the middle of next week that is another really, really important game for Virginia Tech. That's probably going to be a quadrant one game on the road, right? Yeah. Miami is Miami is better. And, and, and I saw you tweet this over the weekend, and I agree. This is when Miami was playing Duke. Miami is better than 20th, right? They're yeah. sitting 20th in the country. They got a really, really good team, right? And Tech's got two games against them here coming up. Um, it's going to be really important to try to split, right? And I totally agree with you. Tech's sitting right now with 12 wins. 11 games left on the schedule. I think I, I agree with you. I think tech has to get to 
around 20 wins total, right? Around 10 wins in, in conference play. It's doable. You know, um, you know, you mentioned the schedule. I agree. Tech is probably through their toughest stretch of the schedule, but that doesn't mean the tech doesn't have games left. that could impact the resume because they do, you know, yeah, to, to that, to, to that Miami point, they're currently at uh, halftime against Florida state. It's 54 to 28 Miami. So yeah, that's, yeah. It's a pretty good team. Yeah, it was 40. It was 40 to 21 um, when we hit record. So it, it's getting out of hand there quickly as it should. Um, can't believe how bad Florida State is. We talked about that before the year. I can't believe it. Um, <laughs> crazy. But uh, t- yeah, Tech's got a really important stretch here. Th- three games coming up Syracuse at Miami home against UVA. Right. And I think if you're if you're able to win two of those, it's gigantic for the resume. Right. And yeah. I think if you look at it now on paper with how Tech's playing, it's probably a, a one and two stretch. But if Tech goes two and one in that stretch, I think it's gigantic, especially having the UVA game at home. Um, having a swing at Miami on the road is going to be tough. Getting Syracuse at home, I think, is big coming off that Duke win. There can't be any letdowns now, though. Right. No. There can't be any letdowns. You can't go on the road against a bad Notre Dame team and lose. You can't do that. You can't lose to Boston College at home. You can't go on the road to Georgia Tech and lose. You can't lose on the road at Louisville. You can't you can't lose to Florida State at home to close out the regular season. Avoid those types of games, Ed. Right. If you're going to lose games, lose to UVA, lose lose to a Miami, um, lose to a Pittsburgh at home, even which you know you, you'd rather have that game than not. But don't don't add up quadrant four losses and quadrant three losses, right? Like you got to start, you got to win the the ones you're supposed to win now. There's no margin for error. Um, Kator's loss was huge, and the team didn't play well in that stretch without him. And now your back's against the wall, just like it was a year ago. But I think there are plenty of opportunities here for Virginia Tech down the stretch of their schedule. Um, they're in, I think, a better spot than they were a year ago in terms of the net and kind of where they were at. Um, I know at this time a year ago, Tech didn't have two, almost three quadrant one wins, right? They had to go to the ACC tournament and beat a North Carolina and a Duke on neutral floor um, to get a couple of those quadrant one wins. So I, Tech's already in a better spot than they were a year ago in terms of Q1 wins. Um, but you got to start stacking the W's now, Ed. Like you mentioned, analytics can love the Hokies all they want. Tech, thankfully, Tech played well in the non-con, right? We, we talked about that probably being important if, you know, something were to happen. Well, something happened. Tech lost six straight. So, you know, you're in a spot now where backs against the wall, really important stretch of the schedule in front of you. You got to start stacking wins, right? Duke's a really good starting point. Got, you welcome Syracuse to town on Saturday. Syracuse is a decent team. You got to try to get that win. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at the breakdown for the rest of the year, there's six home games, five away games. Um, if you go five and one at home and three and two on the road, you finish eight and three, you're at 20 and 11 on the year, I believe. So, um, yeah, 20 and 11 on the year, I think you find yourself in the NCAA tournament. So hold serve at home, um, split with Miami, maybe steal that UVA game, and then handle your business on the road. I mean, let's break it down, Mike. Let's just play this game. Yep. Syracuse is a home game. UVA, Boston College, Pitt, Miami, Florida State. I see no reason Virginia Tech can't go five and one in those home games. I mean, I agree with you. Um, I think Tech's almost going to have to go five and one, right? Um, Going on the road to Cameron Indoor at the end of February is probably not going to be a very easy game to win. Going on the road to Miami here next week is probably not going to be a very easy game to win, even – you know, if the Miami fan base isn't like 
all in on the basketball team. They, they could have some sketchy crowds there, but it's a weird place to go play. That's going to be tough. Um, yeah, I mean, the home the home schedule here, there, there are important games at home. The students have been showing up at Castle, even with Tech not playing very well, which is huge. Um, the fan support's there. It's been there all year. There's no reason why Tech couldn't at worst go four and two. I mean, I think if Tech goes five and one at home, I think they're in a great spot, Ed, because that then you're talking about a position where Tech has had at least a couple of quadrant one wins, right? Um, Virginia, and then maybe that Miami game. We'll see where Miami's at, you know, later in February. Um, Pitt is a good team this year. You know, that's not going to be an easy game at Castle. You get that win. At worst, a quadrant two win. But just kind of take the analytics out of it. Like you mentioned, Tech goes eight and three um, down the stretch. That that puts him at 10 conference wins or 10 and 10 in conference. It'd be 2011 overall. Before the NCAA, before the ACC tournament even happens, I think Tech would be in an excellent spot to make the tournament. As long as, you know, in that eight and three stretch, you picked off a couple of games you shouldn't have went, you shouldn't win, right? Which I think by nature of the schedule, if Tech does go eight and three, that means that you want to you want a few games that were either toss ups or ones that you probably shouldn't have won, right? So I think that would put Tech in excellent position if they were to get to twenty. I think that is the magic number. I think, you know, if, if Tech's if Tech's sitting at like eighteen wins, right? They're like eighteen and thirteen. I think you almost have to go go win the ACC again. Like I'm trying to draw this up, Ed. So where Tech isn't in a position last, like they were last year, where they literally had to win the tournament or get to the final. And even when they got to the final last year, we were like, "Are they in?" <laughs> like you got to almost beat, you got to beat Duke and just take the take the question marks out of it. We we just we still weren't sure last year. I'm trying to draw this up so that Tech's got an opportunity to get themselves into the field without having to kind of worry about okay how many games do I need to win in the ACC tournament? Yeah, I don't really want to play that game again either. But I think very simply put, if Virginia Tech plays the way they did at JPJ against UVA on the road and last night against Duke, if they play that way consistently throughout the rest of the season, I think there's only four games on the schedule that if you play the way you did last night, it's a question of if you win or not. If you play like you did last night, you beat Syracuse at home. Um, you beat Boston College at home. You're, you beat Notre Dame on the road. You beat Georgia Tech. Pitt would be a good game, but I think if the Hokies play like they did yesterday, they win that game as well, uh, along with the at Louisville and the home game to end the year at Florida State. If they play like that, they win all those games, in my opinion. Yep. The four toss-ups are at Miami, at home against UVA, at, my, or at home versus Miami, and at Duke. And then all you have to do if you hold serve in those other games is win one of those four. Yep, and you find yourself in a position where I think, you know, to quote John Rothstein, you're in position to be in position right now. But I think if Virginia Tech plays their brand of basketball that they played at UVA and then last night in Castle against Duke, um, there's really only four games where I think it's a question of if you win. So it's going to be a matter of consistency in play, particularly from the guard spot, in my opinion, moving forward. Um, Sean Padula plays within himself and plays his game. Oh, we're a really dangerous team. I think MJ Collins continues to improve offensively. Hunter Couture continues to be Hunter Couture. Um, and then Greg Basile and Justin Mutz have been really good recently. Um, I like to see the turnovers get cut down from Mutz, but basile has been fantastic. Lynn Kidd off the bench has been really good. I think one thing 
that has plagued Virginia Tech and its losing streak last year and this year is turnovers. Um, and even last night, you know, turned the ball over 11 times, which isn't a lot, but it's not a little. Seven of those came from what you'd call big men in Basili, Poteet, and Mutz. So the guards are doing a good job of not turning the ball over against Duke. Um, so I, I just think in general, man, the schedule, um, you know, obviously, you know, the, you look back at it, right, and the uh, the two-point loss to Wake stings, the three-point loss to Clemson, um, you know, the four-point loss to NC State, the one-point loss to Clemson, you know, you'd love to have one of those right now, and you'd feel really good about where Virginia Tech is. Right. Um, but even still, you know, they haven't – they've shown they can play with pretty much anybody in this league on any given night. I mean, their worst loss is by 10 points yeah. uh, at UVA in a game that just kind of got out of hand late, and then the, at the 10-point loss against Syracuse. Um, but you got you got Syracuse on your home floor now, and uh, you win that game on Saturday, then you turn your attention towards, you know, the toughest two-game stretch left on the schedule. Well, maybe not, actually, because there's another Miami-Duke later in the year that's tough. But at Miami and then home against UVA, that's a big stretch of basketball. Um, and then things lighten up for a little while. So I think Virginia Tech's got, got to play really good ball the next 10 days against Syracuse at Miami and UVA. Um, you come out of that 2-1, and one, it's game on for the rest of the year. Yeah, and as things stand here on, on Tuesday night, we're sitting here recording. Um, Lenardi put out his latest bracket. Tech is essentially like the seventh team out of the field, right? He, they're kind of the third, they're, they're the third spot right outside the next four out, right? Or, or I guess they're they're like the eleventh. I guess that would make them four eight. That would make them the eleventh team out. I'm sorry. Um, so they're kind of just like on the fringe of the bubble. Got to keep stacking wins, Ed. Um, like you mentioned, cut down the turnovers with the big men. Play like you did against UVA. Play play a little bit better defensively, though, right? Um, <laughs> don't give up 82 to Syracuse again on your home. Like, don't do that on your home floor, which I'm not sure Syracuse will shoot the ball that well again, but try to avoid that. Um, but yeah, Saturday is a really important game. I think if it's important for this team, I think, Ed, especially, you know, with the amount of young guys and, and kind of, you know, sophomores and juniors contributing to this thing, like it's important to see some wins. Right. And, you know, Padula and Maddox, they were, they were part of a special team a year ago, but they're in this kind of new role, and Basili is is new to the ACC. Like, these guys need to start seeing kind of their hard work pay off a little bit with victories, and, you know, I, I think it's really important to win the ones at home especially. Tech's been a terrible road team all year, so you got to win the ones at home and then start to turn things around a little bit on the road, and you'll have a great opportunity next week against a really good team against Miami. Yep. I completely agree. Uh, Virginia Tech's got Syracuse in Castle Saturday night at 7 o'clock. Syracuse comes in ranked 81 in the Ken Palm, 99 in the net. And then, as we mentioned, that big at Miami game, which if you compare the analytics, we're neck and neck with Miami, but they've got way more wins to show for it. So that should be a really good one. Virginia Tech's had some really cool wins down in Miami in the last couple of years as well. So that one will be interesting for sure. And we'll wrap it up with the Mike Young quote of the week. This one came last night after the uh, after the win. And one of the reporters, I forget who it was, apologies uh, to whoever that was, asked a question about Justin Mutz and his period on the bench in the second half, which stretched from the 12-minute mark all the way down to the four-minute mark. Um, Justin Mutz came out of the game and sat for eight minutes. When he came out, Virginia Tech was down by four. And when he came back in, Virginia Tech was up by five. And um, Mike Young's quote about that was, quote, I'll be damned. 
Uh, and I think I've, I feel the same way when I heard that stat. Uh, that was an awesome stat by uh, whoever the reporter was that asked the question. Um, but I do remember that stretch being really weird. We were very deliberate with the ball on offense, very deliberate with the ball. And Lynn Kidd and Grant Basile, as a result, played really, really well together. So uh, that was an interesting eight-minute stretch without Justin Mutz. Uh, it even surprised Mike Young a little bit in the presser. But well, it's just interesting to see if we see more Basile and Kidd together moving uh, moving forward as the season progresses because it was a kind of a weird lineup, but it worked out well for the Hokies. Kind of three bigs, right? You know, Basile and uh, – I mean, and if you – we've seen some lineups too where – Justin Mutz is out there as well, right? And you get yeah. that third, that third big. So, yeah, the Basili Kid lineup worked out well last night. Um, having Basili and Kid and Mutz on the floor together has been interesting as well. When Tech's gone a little bit bigger, um, yeah, Mike Young's been toying with the lineups a little bit. And like we mentioned, kind of at the start of the year, it seemed like a non-conference play was very like matchup dependent, and it seems like it's kind of continued that way through ACC play. Um, you know, Couture and, and Padula are always going to be starting. Um, and Mutz, of course, are always going to be starting. But like you know, those other two spots are kind of interchangeable. So it's interesting, interesting to see how Mike Young's been able to mix and match. Yep, and it will be interesting to see how things look moving forward, especially Saturday against that Syracuse zone. Um, I'm going to be on prize picks after I use code SUNSVT, and I am going to be hammering Hunter Couture's over in that game, especially if it's at 9.5 like it was against Duke last night. Hammer Couture's over as he knocks down some threes against that Syracuse zone. But um, that's all I've got for tonight, Mike. Um, go ahead and sign us out. Big one on Saturday, Castle. Um, students in town, locals in town, go support the Hokies Saturday night. They're going to really, really need this win. Um, should be a great atmosphere, so go out and support them. And we'll probably talk – this Miami game is next Tuesday night. Um, we might be able to squeeze in a recording Monday. If not, we'll wait until after that Miami game. Um, but at, at the very least, you know, <laughs> Tech needs this on Saturday, right, against Syracuse. Huge game. Um, yeah. A lot of, lot of tournament implications here. Don't sleep on Syracuse's analytics. They're a pretty good team. Tech's already lost them once. Um, they're, they're scrappy. They shoot the ball well. Um, and, and that zone is really annoying to play against. So Tech's going to have to have to execute well. And we'll kind of see what happens on the other side of that, Ed. Um, so until next weekend. Go Hokies. It's time to wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand by. Saw you dance like you want to in my head And all that she said is Oh, I know just what you're thinking